When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jared Priyar. If you are a devoted listener to both Corey and myself, this is the second time you would have heard from us this week, as we now have a second podcast that comes out during the week and the Young Bucks podcast about Pirates prospects. Corey and I are uniquely qualified to talk about both because essentially we're each other's shadows for nine months out of the year. You know, it's interesting because uh, Donnie Collins from the Scranton Times Tribune, he's really the only person like you and I, Jared. He's kind of the only person out there that covers minor league baseball and college football. It's just a very rare combination. And Penn State fans don't give a damn about minor league baseball and the team that we cover. But it is an interesting concept to cover minor league baseball and college football at the same time. They would have cared when Zach Mills threw out the first pitch against Tyler Palco just a few years ago during the Pitt Penn State <laughs> Um, game weekend. Um, but let's get to Penn State football because James Franklin met with the media earlier this week and they had a lot to say about a bunch of different things. I'll tell you, I was looking forward to it because there's so much, so many pressing things in college football, uh, certainly with Penn State in as much as everybody, but college football, there's so many questions right now. The NIL made all the headlines. Uh, James Franklin was asked about the $13 million that Ohio, Ohio State's Ryan Day mentioned last week, Jared. And so it was a kind of a, an interesting um, back and forth. You know, Mark Wogenrich from Sports Illustrated said, you know, what is Penn State's number? James Franklin says, what's well, higher than the numbers you've heard? So I come back to James Franklin and say, are you telling me that, are you saying that Penn State needs more than $13 million? He said, he said, well, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we need as much as everybody we're competing against? Now, we're not going to turn the podcast into – uh, an NIL discussion per se, because you can go read my story from the other day that really breaks down every, you know, all components of that. The question I want to ask today, Jared, is really a bigger picture uh, issue within the Penn State fan base, probably. And that is, does James Franklin have the support that he needs to succeed at Penn State? Now, that's a very vague question because, well, support from whom? He got a 10 year contract. He's getting $85 million. He's got support there. But you go on social media, you hear from Penn State fans. Jared, I'm sure you see it. There are a lot of people, even though he's got that 10-year contract, they actually hold it against him. There are a lot of Penn State fans that I would say do not support James Franklin. And I think that's that's an issue we got to get into. Yeah, and that's what's tough about James Franklin, right? Because he has the support of the administration, or so we think. Um but again, it's one of those situations where the fans support matters too, because the fans are who pony up the dollars to keep Bingo. James Franklin there. 
they they pony up the dollars to keep now the players there because they have the capability of supporting players through the NIL deals, which is becoming an ever pressing matter. Um, but and honestly, probably more important than recruiting at, at this point because again, we talk about this all the time. It's re-recruiting your roster every year. And that's what's unfortunate about the nature of the college game, um, because now it is essentially free agency uh, and they, you know, it's the roots of it. They still want it um, to be one of those situations where, hey, guess what? These are still amateurs, but hey, we're going to pay them what they want. And, you know, Penn State, for as great as a donor base, they, they, they boast about having the largest alumni support. James Franklin knows how to work a room. He is excellent at that. And he's been excellent at that for the entirety of his career, but winning a room and winning over the fans are two totally different things. Right. And this is complicated. Uh, and this is kind of touchy feely for some people here that uh, I don't like to get into this subject a whole lot because it's just going to piss a lot of people off, but I'm going to bring the Joe Paterno discussion into this, Jared. And I'm going to ask all Penn State fans to consider this. Are there Penn State fans out there that would rather see justice for Joe Paterno? And that means more to them than success for James Franklin and Penn State now. And if you follow what I'm saying, you just mentioned Penn State's got the largest alumni association in the world. Why are they behind on NIL? They got a 107,000-seat stadium. Why are they behind on NIL? There are enough people out there to give money. Why aren't they giving enough money for Penn State to be where it needs to be with NIL? If you connect all these dots, and I'm not going to take credit for this because this was a very intriguing tweet, a message I got from a guy named Joshua Hawk. It says, the summary of the alumni base, one, don't like Franklin. Two, Stuck in past and won't donate until Joe Pa is honored. Three, don't donate because of how admin handled Joe Pa's situation. Four, don't see point in donating to mediocre program. All those reasons are lame and will put us further behind. That's what the person wrote. Now, look, I'm not saying I agree with all that, but I am saying that some of that is out there. Some of that is out there. About and some of it's true. Absolutely. There and look, and it may not true be true for everybody listening to this podcast. Some Penn State fans, especially younger people, you've moved on. James Franklin's a coach. He's had a lot of success. He won. He he went to a Rose Bowl. He won a Big Ten title. He's gone to New Year's Six games. There, there, there clearly are, are a lot of people in the Penn State fan base that have moved on, and they do support James Franklin. But how many of the old old guard fan base probably is is still is still much more hung up on the Joe Paterno situation, much more hung up on the statue, much more hung up on him getting fired. And, and maybe they begrudge to some degree, James Franklin and the success. Well, you need their money too, Jared. You need their money too with regards to sustaining financial, you know, elite status at, at Penn State. So I do think it's fascinating to just to consider all these elements because You'd think your fan base is completely on board with whatever it is your head, current head coach is trying to accomplish, and yet I get the feeling a significant portion of the fan base, maybe not the majority, maybe it's only 10 20%, I don't know, probably does not support James Franklin and certainly doesn't support a 10-year contract for a coach who's gone 11-11 and 11 the past two years. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the mediocre is there. Um, up until, you know, the last two years, I thought they had done a good job of being on the top 10 or top, well, in the top 10, but on that upper tier of get, getting to that elite aspect. Of course, they have not gotten there yet. So the mediocrity is there, especially over the last two seasons uh, since the Cotton Bowl, really. Um, now the world has drastically changed. College football has drastically changed since then, but that's there. And listen, this is a program steeped in tradition. Mm-hmm. Joe Paterno did a lot of great things at Penn State. That's not to be denied. There were a lot of things that kind of went by the wayside with Paterno too, um, and then didn't go as well. Um, and and a lot of that stemmed from how that that he was portrayed and how he handled the Sandusky scandal. And that's that's normal too. And a lot of people weren't able to process because Joe Paterno is a pariah, right? He is hallowed. And one of the saddest days in this area, and this is, I'm not making this up or trying to be too fancy, was when the statue came down because of how um, esteemed he was. And good, bad, or indifferent, you know, the winds came back. They haven't really, um, it's just going to be one of those situations where not everybody is going to be happy. But again, the a lot of the alumni base haven't liked Franklin right since he got there. And that's, and I, that's fair? fair too. I don't is think it, it's fair. And, and why don't they? Now, look. Certainly, James, look, we're not going to turn this into the history of James Franklin. We're going to wrap this segment up here quickly. But James Franklin kind of had the the used car salesman guy at the beginning, you know, the snake oil salesman guy. But frankly, I think all of that's in the past. I, I, I have a lot more faith in what he's saying now. Um, but I do think this fragment or this fraction in the in the fracture in the Penn State fan base and part- particularly probably – uh, maybe in the leadership as well, the board of trustees, some people on the board didn't vote for the lash building upgrades last year. You know, is there, are there still people on the board of trustees who would rather see Joe Paterno honored than James Franklin succeed as ridiculous as that sounds. I don't necessarily think that it's you know 100% off base. And so again, my, my final point on all this, Jared is James Franklin needs money. He needs your money. He needs the NIL money. He needs the support. And I don't think that this program with the fan base and everything it's been through and the sheer loyalty to Joe Paterno from some people that they're, that is still there. I, I, I do think that that is a crutch that still prevents the Penn State football program from fully 100% moving on and achieving all the potential that it could achieve. Right. And before we move on, or before we can continue, let's move on to our to our first break in the podcast and come back on the flip side and talk a little bit more about this because I think this deserves a lot of time this week. So we'll catch you here on the flip side of our first break on the We Are Podcast from the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome back to the We Are Podcast, the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Corey, in the first segment, you mentioned moving on. Penn State hasn't moved on from Paterno. Somehow, no, not 100%. But, it, but it's still a big yeah, portion. Yeah, right. It hasn't. Yeah. Who gets the loudest cheer when they do the pregame video about the history of Penn State um, on game days at Beaver Stadium? When they show the, when they show the shoes and, and everything, the black shoes. Right. 
and and don't get me wrong. Like I said in the first paragraph, or per, first first paragraph, I'm talking about writing. This is clearly a podcast. But in the first segment, we talked about the good that Joe Paterno has done. Now, clearly, the bad definitely hits that significantly, if not outweighs it, right? But Penn State hasn't done a good job of change. They don't. This is a team that hasn't changed their uniforms. The biggest change to the uniform was adding the Nittany Lion to the front of the uh, to the front of the collar and taking the trim off the sh- uh, off the um, cuffs of the sleeves that's the issue there's not a lot of change at penn state good bad or indifferent because sometimes change no change isn't necessarily a bad thing but the biggest thing that hasn't changed is the support for franklin between the fans but the administration has enough to give him 10 years right and that's that's you know, don't get me wrong. That's not the administration that we're dealing with right now, though. But that's also, again, that is a, an intriguing component of all of this, because for the record, I was not in favor of the 10-year contract. James still had four seasons left on his contract. He still could have had, you know, proven something. And, and this isn't to say that he will not be successful over the next 10 years. It would be great if he is. I think the a portion of the fan base holds that against him, though, because, you know, the dangling of the name out there to USC and LSU and, and, and maybe this feeling that he was using Penn state as leverage. That's never really been the case. So as we kind of connect all these dots again, Jared, what we're, what we're discussing here is James Franklin needs unequivocal universal support from everybody in order to compete with the elites in the country. That is Penn state needs everything it can possibly get financially support wise recruiting facilities, everything to, to be, to try to get to up to the status of an Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio state. So on. we know this. And so what we're discussing here is can James Franklin get all of that? When quite frankly, there are still a hell of a lot of people in the fan base that are probably pissed that he got a 10 year contract. And they're still behind. Let's be real. They made a lot of upgrades to the last football complex. Beaver Stadium is incredibly behind in its times, but there's still improvements that need to be done that catch them up to the lower tier of, the P- of teams in uh, the Big Ten. Look at Northwestern, what they're doing with their lakefront property, with how good and great that looks, you know, and, and that performance. And that's a school focused a lot on academics, just like Penn State. Penn State and Northwestern, I view, is very similar. Um, but you mentioned the low hanging fruit, right? Penn State never had to worry about Joe Paterno leaving after the 80s. That just wasn't going to happen. Whereas now, Bill O'Brien left the first chance he got. And rightfully so. He earned that opportunity to go coach the NFL. James Franklin is playing the game. That's And that's it's that simple. Whether James Franklin was to leave or not, he, it, would, it wouldn't benefit him if he came out and said, oh, I want to be at Penn State forever. He's mentioned that this is his dream job. He is a Pennsylvania guy. But at the same time, it would it benefits him to go out and say, hey, listen, yeah, you know, I'm staying here, but it's nice to be wanted. It's it's always nice for that ego boost. And it's helped pad his paychecks and his bank account for the last few years. And Jared, do, do, whether that's deserved think, or not. Do you think these issues we're bringing up are a deterrent for the Penn State football program as of right now for what the goals they want? Well, I mean, they got Franklin. They have a coach. They have stability. As of right now, but again, I mentioned that the administration that gave him that uh, extension, Sandy Barber's gone, Eric Barron's gone, right? So that's that's we've talked about that a couple of times about that 
that difference in, in leadership could be an issue down the road. Now they aren't going to pay that buyout, but it's tough because you have that stability, but you still have that divide in the, between the fan base and, and certain members of the administration. And or, or as far as the board of trustees, uh, especially, and we all know that they hold a lot of power than uh, a lot more power than people give them credit for. Jared, I'm going to bring up something here that um, I've heard and it's certainly very sensitive and you just wonder, we wonder 10 years later, is it, is it still the case of the racial factor? Is there a part of that, that Penn state fans, I hate to, I would hate to think that I really do. James Franklin's a good person, a good human being. And this isn't me just throwing spitballs at the wind. I've, I've heard people say that, I mean, central Pennsylvania is, uh, not a lot of minorities there, but James Franklin's very successful. Uh, I, I, as, as I, as I sit here and try to think of reasons why Penn state fans don't like James Franklin, there's one obvious one. And that is that he's just not a very good game day coach. Okay. He's just not, he's a good recruiter, good talent evaluator. They've developed talent for the draft. He's not a good game day coach. And it's easy to point that out. But other than that, you just you're just kind of left wondering why what fans don't like about James Franklin, and again I, I I'm hesitant to bring this up, but I, sometimes I do wonder if the race card comes into play here at all. Yeah, I think with the central PA factor, I think that's I think that's pretty accurate. It's a pretty Republican area. Um, it's a it's a pretty um, it's not necessarily diverse. I think State College would be the most diverse area. Uh, in central PA when school is in session, especially, I, I mean, you would hope, you would hope that that isn't the case. I can I see really that hope happening. Not, Cause that's not fair to James Franklin. No. He's, he's a good guy. He's a highly intelligent guy. I hate to even bring it up. I, but again, when we're talking about a very sensitive subject of, does he have everyone's support? You, you're just trying to find ways to point out where maybe he doesn't. Right. And and that's the thing because he should he should have support. They've they've proven that they can win. Now, of course, they haven't let one of late. Um, you know, he's getting them to big games. He's had some incredible talent: Saquon Barkley, Trace McSorley, Deshaun Hamilton, Chris Godwin, uh, Jahan Dotson, uh, Pat Fryermuth, all guys that are playing in the league. So I think that's another thing too: is what's Penn State's identity? Do you want to continue to send guys to the league, which is great, but that's on right. Saturdays, do or do you, you want to win college over? football games? You and, want to win college football games, right? Right, and and you have to kind of tiptoe that line. And they're doing one, if not both, um, more often than not. But again, you have to kind of figure that out. And and again, like you said about the the game day aspect, he, his game day coaching has proven to be pretty bad. Um, and, and sometimes you know he's he shocks us. But again, we are able to sit back and watch those decisions with the benefit of hindsight. But he is on the fly and, hey, listen, you got to do this. And, it, and it's all on the fly. He's got to think three plays ahead. Being a, being a college football coach isn't easy. There's only, a, you know, what, 125 co- uh, high or head Division one coaches or something like that. Um, so it's not easy to do what he does. But at the same time, you know, you got to make those improvements. And he hasn't gotten much better in the game day aspect. That is true. There's no question that that has to be held against James Franklin as a coach is the three, three and a half hours on Saturday. But the number one thing about James Franklin is he's not Joe, Joe Paterno and, and people will hold that against him. I do still think there are a lot of people that will hold that, that hold that against him. And that's unfortunate because he cannot 
not be, nor, nor will he ever, I mean, James has handled everything very professionally since he's been at Penn state. But the point, the last point I just want to make with all of this here, Jared, because people are wondering, well, why are you guys talking about this again? We're Penn state needs the money. They need the support. He, they need everybody. I'm going to steal PJ Fleck. They need everybody rowing the boat in the same direction. And if you've got a portion of your fan base that doesn't really even think that the guy rowing the boat is the right guy to be doing it, and he's got 10 more years to be the captain of the boat, it just leads you to these questions of, can Penn State fully achieve what the most diehard fans want to achieve if some of those most diehard fans are not fully behind the current head coach? Right, and... And that's the thing. The people that have the money are more often than not tied to Paterno. Um, they're older alums. They've been around the league or have been around the program for decades. Um, and, and Franklin, you know, are, are there guys that support him? Yes, absolutely. I think that's fair. But a lot of them don't have the, the financial stability that maybe guys like Terry Bugula have. Now, I, I don't know what he is able or commits to um, – the football program, or if he even does, but as an example of, of obviously the most well-known um, being that he's pretty much self-funded the, the hockey program to get it started. So there are a bunch of different variables, but the fact is they need that money they, because the more money they're pumping into now, both the players and the program, the better off Penn state hypothetically should be. Yeah. You would think because you just really, I think a lot of this has caught Penn State fans by surprise because for years and years and years, we were all told Penn State has it as good as anybody else, as good of facilities as anybody else in the country, as good as this or that as anybody else in the country. The facilities thing was wrong. Penn State, Penn State was lax on its facilities, and it caught up with them over time. Bill O'Brien came in and was stunned at how – poorly developed some of the facilities were James Franklin comes in and says they had some better facilities at Vanderbilt in some way. Mm -hmm. And so again, I just get the sense that, that where we are in 2022 with everything Penn state needs to achieve the success, can it get all of those things when frankly the university might've been years behind in all of this anyway, I hate to say this for Penn state fans, Penn State probably should have implemented the seat licenses at Beaver Stadium several years before it did. When they instituted the step plan, it pissed off everybody. But they probably should have done that a decade earlier because other schools were. So Penn State lost out on probably tens of millions of dollars there. I'm not getting into the scandal here. That's, that's a completely separate issue. My point is decisions were made at Penn State that kept the program behind that put the program more behind the eight ball than anybody could have possibly known from a financial standpoint. And so and now we fast forward all this time and everybody's throwing their arms up. Why isn't Penn state able to compete in some of these areas with some of these other schools around the country? And the answer is because traditionally they've been pretty lax in, in, in some of the key decision-making areas. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing is that they were so far behind when Paterno was fired. That, that, you know, they're still paying for that. They're still dealing with that. The facilities, the last building needed upgraded 15 years ago, not 
last year or the year before. It needed upgraded 15 years ago. Bill O'Brien came in and changed everything. And I think that was the best thing that happened to that program because it finally got them, you know, not necessarily caught up, but just on the same page Um, or even in the same book, so to speak, of other teams. Football uh, and and really college athletics is keeping up with the Joneses. You have to keep up with everybody. Mm -hmm. It's now it's and, and it used to just be, in the program. So what, what does your program have to offer? Oh, well, I don't have to pay for food. My nutrition bar, I have a salad bar, a fruit bar. I can have literally a, a four course meal, any meal that I can have. Uh, everything is at my ready. The stadium, the atmosphere, right? Penn State's always had the stadium and the atmosphere. The, the football practice facilities, the Huluva Hall is awesome. You know, it, it's indoor, turf is great. Uh, the practice fields are, are, are solid. They've got turf, they've got grass. But the weight room and, and the training room and the dining hall and, and the academic wing, you know, those are the parts that had lacked. Mm-hmm. But now that is second to what can you do? What have you done for me lately? Can you get Drew Aller this type of money? Can you get Kevon Lee this kind of money to keep him there to make him happy? Now, you used to commit to a program and that was it right now, you know, with a transfer portal. And we'll get to that here a little later, probably in the third segment. But now with that, you have to keep these guys there and you have to keep them happy when, you know, you've got money at stake now. And and when you talk livelihood, and this is not in, in just college football, this is in real life. When you mess with people's livelihood, man, that is a stressful and overwhelming time for everybody involved. And I'm going to wrap up my seg- part of this segment by just saying, hey, I agree with everything James Franklin said on Wednesday when we talked to him. And he pointed out, hey, why wouldn't we need the numbers that everybody else needs? Because look, all you Penn State fans, if you're listening 30 minutes into our podcast, thank you very much. I got a smile on my face. We, Jared and I appreciate it. But if you're listening to 30 minutes into our podcast and you expect Penn State to compete with these programs all around the country, no matter what, no matter how much money James Franklin gets or NIL or whatever, you expect them to compete. But what James Franklin keeps pointing out over and over and over and over and over, and I got to think that that he's probably getting tired of this, is that Penn State is going to need a bigger commitment from everybody if they're going to try to compete. Here's the quote. If we want to compete with the schools that you guys all write articles about us competing with, why wouldn't our number be the same as others? If School Mm -hmm. X has a number and we're supposed to be competing with School X, why would our number be different? So I think James Franklin, as time goes on, is going to get pretty tired of having to try to convince everybody of how much money they need. But at the end of the day, he got his 10-year, $85 million contract. And again, I'll, I'll reiterate what I said earlier. I think, I think a lot of Penn State fans probably hold that against him, just wondering if, if they should be fully supporting the guy that um, they don't necessarily believe deserved that lengthy contract in the first place. Right. And, you know, only time will tell. And unfortunately, they're already behind the times. But we're going to talk more about a bunch of different things here as we wrap up this segment uh, and head on to the third and final segment of the We Are Podcast and the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast team. Well, 
Welcome back to the third and final segment of the We Are Podcast, the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. The portal, the celestrious, magical place that really nobody knows, but everybody goes and to see what's out there. Is the grass really greener on the other side or is it dead or is it a concrete ditch? Um, it works for some, it works for others, it doesn't work for others, but it's put coaches in a peculiar spot. And I know, Corey, you don't really have much empathy for coaches because that's their job. Right, they get paid million, multi million dollars every year to go out and win football games. Now I, they're going out and recruiting twofold, 365 days a year. We talked earlier about James Franklin on game days. Well, let's say he's probably he's an incredible coach, more than 345 days out of the year, give or take a couple days there uh, for Saturday games and and bowl games and stuff like that. So now those, those 345 days or 350 days, they are maximized to a T right now because of everything that's now happened to coaches because of the portal. And during the season, this is going to be really intriguing. I, I, this will be year, uh, this will be year two of it really coming up this fall. I, I'm really intrigued to see as college football goes forward roster management with because of the transfer portal so i actually asked james franklin on wednesday here's my question is there more pressure and more challenges to make sure guys are getting their opportunities and stay happy and get the playing time so that they don't leave now specifically i did not ask him about drew aller but you know i'm thinking about the quarterback if you don't get your prize freshman recruit playing time will he leave here's what james franklin said uh, no, but you better monitor your roster. You better be monitoring your roster. I think the old days of kind of freshmen coming in and kind of having to pay his dues and those things are different. You'd better be monitoring your roster. You'd better be aware of your roster. You better be talking to the parents. You better be talking to the high school coaches, all those things. That's where consistency on your staff is important because those relationships are already built. So the point he's making is, yeah, you, you need to know what's in the hearts and minds of every single kid and family on your roster with regards to how comfortable they are in your program before you could bring a, pro, a kid in. And you've got that kid at minimum, generally at minimum in the past. You're probably talking three years. Kid may redshirt a year, and then maybe they play for two years, and if they weren't happy, then they might leave. Now, you, you might have a kid – Hell, Jared, you might not have a kid for a full year. Freshmen come in. They don't like where things are going. They're transferring in October or November, for goodness sake. So that's where things are really intriguing uh, about making sure you're monitoring uh, everything that's going on with every kid. Because if you don't give this particular kid or that particular kid the opportunity he and his parents feel like he deserves – you better be prepared to lose that kid to the portal. Right. And people forget that in, in the many, many years ago, freshmen weren't allowed to play uh, immediately. And especially so in, in the basketball area, I remember reading Dean Smith's book about the freshman team and about the JV teams that teams used to have. And, you know, now that's completely gone out the wayside. Again, li livelihoods are at stake. Coaches are paid to win games. There are, Millions and honestly billions of dollars at stake every Saturday uh, throughout the country uh, on football fields everywhere. And, you know, you have to play the best. And 
you go out and, and, and maybe somebody promises you this and, and maybe you promise them that. And, you know, they come here expecting to play. They expect to play right away. And let's be real. The jump from high school football to, to college football is not an easy jump physically or mentally. A lot of freshmen aren't physically or mentally able to play or, or, or capable of playing just because of the sheer fact. And, and it's, it's that much different. And because you're, you're putting on more weight and you're putting on, now you're going to classes and now it's, it's, it's a full-time job plus a full-time student. Um, and, and that's not easy. And as a coach, you've got to make sure everybody's minds are right in general. Right. And, and I think that's the other thing too, is mental health is more important now than it's ever been. Not to say that it's, 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 it's more, fo- it's more of a focus now than it, ha- than it um, you know, has been. And, and I think that's an issue too, because you have to make sure that they are mentally able to function um, on a day in and day out basis as a division one athlete. And then you've got to worry about their classwork and then you've got to worry about them as a player. And, you know, if somebody's not happy, you also have to worry about them leaving. Um, and obviously you want to keep people in your program. You want that, uh, that consistency because this consistency is key. And, and this is the most um over the last three or four years, the most turnover that Franklin's had on his staff in quite some time, both coordinators are now uh, old coordinators are, are gone with Ricky Ronnie to old dominion, Brent prime out of Virginia tech. He's had Kirk Shiraka in there. Now, you know, you've got Manny Diaz and, and that's, that's new. You still got um, Mike Yersich and you've got a, a bunch of different coaches on both sides of the football. So, you know, you, he co- talks about that consistency. Well, a lot of those guys, some of that, those relationships, you know, go by the wayside because you've got new guys in, in, in the fold. Yep, sure, no question. I actually asked Mike Yursich specifically about the transfer portal as well and Drew Aller and uh, keeping guys happy. And uh, I'm going to write about this later on in the week for some people to read. And so Mike Yursich tries to give kind of a generic answer of, hey, look, we're going to do what it takes to win football games. Okay. Well, that's great. Good. Thanks. Uh, I mean, thanks for nothing there. Seriously. Seriously. I, I hate when coaches do that. He's like, we're going to do what it takes to win football games and we're going to make decisions to win football games. And so I followed that up and I said, okay, well, fine. Are you trying to win on this Saturday, particularly to win this game on this Saturday, or are you going to make decisions that are going to help you win on Saturdays in two or three years? Okay. Cause that's what we're going to see this fall, Jared is yeah. Decision. Sure. You want to win every Saturday this fall and play Sean Clifford. He'll probably give you a better chance to win every Saturday this fall against everybody. But is that your goal? Because if you lose some of those games and you don't play Drew Aller and Drew Aller leaves, haven't you just shot yourself in the foot because you got short sight? And see, that's my point uh, of, okay, so your goal is to win games. And I asked Yersich this, and he said, and then he kind of backtracked and he tried to give some big, long answer about, well, we got to make the what's best for the program, blah, blah, blah. But that's what these coaches like to do. They like to bury us in this. We're going to make decisions to win games. Okay, well, fine. You got you better be cog- much more cognizant now that this, the decisions you make could cost you games next year, the year after, the year after, the year after, if you end up losing players that you should be playing now. So I keep coming back to this notion of, Who's going to be the quarterback the second half of the year? If they're winning games and everything's hunky-dory and they're in the top 10, well, it's Sean Clifford's the quarterback. They lose three games. If you're still playing Sean Clifford, then you'd better be praying that nobody comes along and gives Drew Aller some kind of big NIL deal because you'd be giving him every reason to get out. Yeah, and it's tough because, you know, 
tradition and history don't win you football games, right? They help, but but now you got to worry about the present and the future, mm-hmm. and and that's tough to do because what helps you win this game against Ohio might not help you win the game against Ohio State in three years. That's right. Two years. And that's well and, said, actually. That's very, very well said. If, if you're up big on Ohio, maybe you better damn well get Drew Aller in the game so he can help you beat Ohio State next year. Right. And, and you saw how ill-prepared the third string or, or second string guys were against Iowa last year, right? And and that's an issue. And you have to, you have to be both present and open-minded for the future. And that's what makes coaching difficult because, yeah, Every Saturday matters now, but every Saturday next year matters too. And the year after that, and the year after that, right? People talk about controlling what you can control. Well, that starts today. What you do today yeah. and what you do on this Saturday matters next Saturday and the Saturday after, and even two years later. Now, look, it's easy for you and I, Joe Schmoes, say, oh, let's do this. Let's play this guy. And it's easy for everybody else to armchair quarterback and say, oh, they're up three touchdowns. Get this guy in for four. You know what? It's complicated. I'm telling you, we, mm-hmm. we, we can, we can look at these coaches and say that we, we have a good idea. What's bad, man. We are all in a whole new world. Okay. And so I'll close by saying this, these coaches, James Franklin, Mike, they might do everything right and still lose a kid mm-hmm. to transfer. Yeah. They might do, they might do everything wrong and still, and still be able to convince the kid to stay. You just don't know. You really just don't know. Um, it is, it is the absolute wild, wild West when you're combining the portal with the NIL, we, we think, Hey, Let's give Drew Aller seven games this year where he can play. Hell, he still might leave if somebody comes and offers him two million. You, you just, you just never know. Right, and that's the, that's the nature of the Pandora of Pandora's box that's been opened and exposed. Um, college football is changing before our eyes, and it's never going to be the same. Um, and and I don't know that it's necessarily a good way to, of change. You know, change isn't necessarily a good thing in this situation because right now, like you said, it's the wild, wild west, right? And, and we sit here and we're able to talk about it. We don't have to make those decisions on game days. We can analyze the hell out of them. But at the end of the day, that 107,000 people that, that listen to this podcast, I wish, um, or that are sitting at Beaver Stadium, they're undefeated. Yeah, that's right. Their, their decisions are, are always perfect. Hey, you know um, what I'd like? I'd like $85 million to get to make these damn decisions. I, hey, me too. And if anybody is offering <laughs> us to, do, to make $85 million for a podcast, uh, please, by, by all means, let us know. And we'll even throw in some game day coaching too um, for, for shits and giggles. But that's about all we've got for this week. We appreciate you listening as always. For Corey Geiger, I'm Jared Prugart. We'll talk to you again next week on the VR Podcast and the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network.